But as we open up, um, I we're going to start now at verse 40. So Luke 6, verse 40. I, I think I'll back up for a little bit of context to verse 39. Um, and Jesus says there, um, And he spoke a parable unto them, Can the blind... Uh, lead the blind shall they not both fall into the ditch the disciple is not above his master but every one that is perfect shall be as his master and why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye but perceiveth not the beam that is in thine own eye either how canst thou say to thy brother brother let me pull out the mote that is in thine eye when thou themselves thou Thyself beholdest not the beam that is in thine own eye. Thou hypocrite, first cast the beam um, that out of thine own eye, then thou shalt see clearly to pull the mote that is in thy brother's eye. And so, the challenge for me as a speaker and as a preacher has been to make sure that I am being fed from the Word of God every week because I cannot feed others if I myself am not being fed. And I will be the first to admit to you that I don't always do the best job of that. Um, Sometimes I I let it slide a little bit, but you know what? I can tell in my life when I have allowed my my devotional life to slip. I remember in college, uh, interesting story, is that I would think to myself, I'm in, I'm in Bible college. These are Bible-based courses. So I can just skip my morning devotions and do my, do my lessons for school. And it will compensate because it's all from the Bible. But I found that I could never get nearly as much done on a day that I didn't start in the Word of God than I can when I do. And I see that as a, still a truth these many years after I graduated from school. So I would encourage you to spend time in the Word. Now, sometimes you might have to vary it a little bit. I know when I used to have to get up really early before my brother would leave to school for school, I'd be like, well, if I start my devotions at 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning, then I'll be done by 6, and I can get, get done with that and go to my schoolwork. Um, but a lot of times if I, when I got up that early, I would wait a little while because I'd rather wait a little while than fall asleep in the Word. I mean, in some ways that would be one of the best ways to fall asleep, but not when you're trying to concentrate and begin your day. So you may have to vary it a little bit, but make sure that you're spending time in the Word. Um, and so we're going to focus this... Uh, this afternoon on uh, on having the proper perspective of ourselves. We we talked a little bit about that in, in this morning's message about how we need to be forgivers because we've been forgiven because we're all um, equally sinful before God. But um, my first point um, for this afternoon is we are all equal under we are all equal and under Christ. So if you have, if you're taking notes, then that is my first point. 
Um, and we read here, Jesus just gets right to it. He's like, uh, the disciple is not above his master, but everyone that is perfect shall be as his master. Now, on the surface, this seems like an intimidating statement because we all know that we're not perfect. And yet that is the standard that God calls us to. Jesus said, be ye perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. And God says, be ye holy as I am holy. Well, how is this holiness achieved? It is achieved through the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the difference maker here. In the end of the Gospels, we see Peter, the apostle, running for his life. And then denying that he knows Jesus, this man that he spent three years with, this man that called him a rock. This man that he called the Son of God, he ran and he denied ever knowing him. And yet you flip a couple chapters over. And in Acts chapter 2, he gets up and he preaches a gospel sermon. And he doesn't give an altar call. That's kind of something we've invented. I'm not going to say that it's totally bad. But if you'll notice in the Acts chapter 2 passage, he spoke in such a way through the power of the Holy Spirit that the people who were listening said to him, what must we do? And I think, well, I'm not going to say that you should never do an invitation. I think that's something we miss in our efforts for evangelism today is that we need to be so yielded to the Spirit and allow the Spirit to work. Because when the Spirit's working on somebody, He will persuade them to ask the right questions and thus get answers. I've heard so many stories about people who've been witness to and witness to through the years, but what really brought them to Christ was when they opened the Word for themselves. When they were at the end of their rope, God became clear to them. Everything they'd been told, everything that had been built into their life came clear. And so we need to keep that in mind. And then Jesus goes through this thing about the, the beam in our eye and uh, the speck in our brother's eye. And he talks, he's talking largely about perspective because we, we always look at... Um, in the human tendency, we look at others as, well, we're, we're better than they are because we, we didn't go as far as they did. So obviously, they're worse off than we are. But Jesus is saying, in order to help others, you have to humble yourself. You have to deal with sin in your own life. And then you can say in a loving, humble manner, I dealt with this in my life. It was a struggle for me. But I know how you can get victory. And not so not in a spirit of saying, I'm better than you, but in a spirit of saying, I want to help you, to lift you up. And another aspect of the one that is perfect shall be as his master. As we submit to the Holy Spirit. And as we go through this Christian life, the, the goal, Paul says in Romans, 
is that we may be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. That is the goal. And as we humble ourselves and as we speak from experience and we talk frankly about things that we struggle with, then that gives people liberty to share with us in confidence and to be encouraged and to be helped along the way. For if we were without God, we would be, of all men, most miserable. And I know I said something similar this morning, but it is so true. And it's something that I think about often. There have been many times, if it weren't for God, that I would have thrown in the towel. When I was 13, I even thought about ending my own life. And I'm thankful that I wasn't able to do that. Because life down here can get pretty rough. But as one of my friends says often, keep looking up. We sang earlier today, we sang before... um, We sang... uh, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. And that's really what we need to do. You know, we, we all imitate someone. And so, are you imitating Christ? Are you reading what He wrote or He said and imitating that? That is a challenge for us today. And then, as we deal with issues in our own life, then it frees us To say, you know what, I've been where you are and I can help you through it. It doesn't say never take the speck out of your brother's eye. It simply says have a right attitude. An attitude of humility. An attitude that says you are better than me. Paul says let each esteem others better than themselves. Do you realize how much better of a world we would live in if this happened? And do you realize how much better of a witness we would all have in the church if this happened? If people could see and, and literally say that this person esteems me better than themselves, they might be attracted to the one who made the difference in our life. And it can be something simple too, like I've heard somebody say, if you are redeemed and you know it, tell your face. We should be among the most joyful, um, radiant people because God makes a difference in the life of a believer. We're supposed to to have, we're supposed to have a, an answer ready when people ask what the hope, it, the reason for the hope that is within us. But are you even showing that you have hope in you? We have to start with the first part and show that we have hope in us, and then the second part is to have an answer for that hope. And uh, I want to give a little story about uh, the difference that it can make to have a humble attitude and uh, 
I think this is a good one. So the truly humble man is hard to find, yet God delights to honor such selfless people. Booker T. Washington, the renowned black educator, was an outstanding example of this truth. Shortly after he took over the presidency of Tuskegee Institute in Alabama, he was walking in an exclusive section of town where he was stopped by a wealthy white woman. Not knowing the famous Mr. Washington by sight, she asked if he would like to earn a few dollars by chopping wood for her. Because he had no pressing business at the moment, Professor Washington smiled, rolled up his sleeves, and proceeded to do the humble chore she had requested. When he was finished, he carried the logs into the house and stacked them by the fireplace. A little girl recognized him and later revealed his identity to this lady. The next morning, the embarrassed woman went to see Mr. Washington in his office at the Institute and apologized profusely. It's perfectly all right, madam, he replied. Occasionally I enjoy a little manual labor. Besides, it's always a delight to do something for a friend. She shook his hand warmly and assured him that his meek and gracious attitude had endeared him and his work to her heart. Not long afterward, she showed her admiration by persuading some wealthy acquaintances to join her in donating thousands of dollars to the Tuskegee Institute. And that story was from Our Daily Bread. But just the idea that you don't know what kind of effect your humility will have. And Booker T. Washington could have that day said no thank you. He could have been polite and not done it. I'm not saying he would have been wrong not to do it. But because he did what he did that day, his actions had far-reaching positive consequences, not just for him, but for many students that have gone to that institute. So we, we don't know what can come from, from us being humble and being under the authority of God. Think about the Apostle Paul. We read his testimony in, in Acts chapter 9 and how wonderful it is. But remember, Acts chapter 8 came before Acts chapter 9. Why do I say that? Because there was a young man who was at the stoning of Stephen. And his name was Saul of Tarsus, who would later become Paul. And he held the coats. And he consented to the death. But he was there that day when Stephen looked up into heaven and said, Lord, commit not this into their charge. And he committed his spirit into Jesus' hands. And even though Paul was breathing out threats after that, I have to wonder if he thought about Stephen after that. And especially after he came to know the Lord personally, I'm sure he did think about Stephen. It'd be interesting 
to have had a bird's eye view to their reunion in glory after Paul passed on. Because Stephen, no doubt, had an impact on the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul had possibly the greatest impact on the Christian church of any single person besides Jesus Christ Himself. We need to focus on Christ and watch Him work through us. This is my second point. In uh, Luke 6.43-45 we read, For a good tree bringeth forth, bringeth not forth corrupt fruit, neither does a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. For every tree is known by its fruit. Pages are sticking in. um, Of thorns, men do not gather figs, nor of bramble bushes do they gather grapes. A good man out of the treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil, for out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. And you think about this, the heart of man is deceitful above all things, but God says that if you come to me and you surrender to me, I will give you a new heart. He doesn't just remodel. He totally demolishes the old and and builds the new. The old is gone. The new has come. And we must be willing to let God use us. The Bible says in Philippians 2.13 that it is God who worketh in us both to will and to do of His good pleasure. And if you are a good man, if you are redeemed by the blood, are you allowing Him to bring forth good fruit in you. He said in John chapter 15, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you will and it will be done unto you. And why is that? Because when we abide in him, the things that we want come in line with what he wants. And then he is able to freely give them to us. The great violinist Nicol Paganini willed his marvelous violin to the city of Genoa on condition that it must never be played. The wood of such an instrument, while used and handled, wears only slightly. But set aside, it begins to decay. Paganini's lovely violin has today become a worm, worm-eaten and useless, except as a relic. A Christian's unwillingness to serve may soon destroy his capacity for usefulness. Serving Christ is a part of Christian growth. There's a children's song that says, Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. 
but neglect your Bible and forget to pray and you'll shrink, shrink, shrink. Why do I bring that up? Because the Christian life is not a life where you can stagnate and expect to grow. I told you earlier that I still struggle with my daily quiet time with the Lord. But I know how greatly my relationship with Him is benefited by it. And so once again I exhort you. Put yourself in a position to be used. I think sometimes we say, well, I want to do something great for God. And when we think about great, Maybe, like in my case, we think about the 20,000-seat arena that we wish we could speak in. Or, I want to do something great for God. I want to write music that's heard the world over, or whatever it might be. But maybe the next thing He's asking you to do is to bandage your child's knee or to love your husband if it's what God asked you to do it is great and the Bible says that he who is faithful in little will be faithful also in much That's been an encouragement to me through these years of ministry when I kind of feel like it hasn't grown at this pace in which I would like it to be. I I know that I need to be faithful in the things which I know He has called me to do. And I don't want to be a useless relic. I want to be broken before the Lord so that He can use me. We need to do His will. As we finish, we will read Luke 6.46-49. to And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things I say? Whosoever cometh to me, and heareth my saying, and doeth them, I will show you to whom... He is like. He is like a man which built a house and digged a deep and dig deep and laid the foundation on a rock, and when the flood arose and the stream beat vehemently upon the house, and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. But he that heareth and doeth not is like a man that without a foundation built a house upon the earth. Against the stream against which the stream beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. So the question arises, where is your foundation? Are you committed to hearing and doing 
the will of God. Are you committed to the truth that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever? Paul told us that there is coming a day, and I believe it's here, when men will be lovers of themselves. When they will hate their parents. When they will have itching ears that go after what they want to hear. It grieves me so much to see people name the name of Christ but not care what he says about the institution of marriage. The institution of marriage is one of the greatest gifts that God ever gave to mankind. It's the foundation upon which our society is based. And even for many Christians who have embraced God's institution for marriage, We've come to a place in our culture where many people regard pets as children and children as pets. That may seem like a, a, a bold statement, but hear me out. I see so many people that get married and they say maybe within the next three or four years, if we can fit it in or if we can save more money, we'll have a child. Do you realize that children are one of the only things that God calls a blessing directly in Scripture? And over and over in the Old Testament, if God wanted to punish the people, He punished them through barrenness. And yet today, we rejoice over barrenness. And when people have more than three or four children, people say snide things. My sister-in-law is starting to get this. She's having her fourth child any day now. And people say things like, do you know how that happens? And my question to them is, do you? Do you realize that that is a blessing from Almighty God? That children are the way that we pass on our faith. That children are the only thing of anything that we possess that we will have any hope of seeing in the next life. We must build our life on the sure foundation of Jesus Christ. If we have no standard, then there's nothing to live for. If I have no standard, then there's no expectation for how I should treat you. 
and no expectation for how you should treat me. And there is chaos. But if we believe that God created the world and He created us and we believe that He has a plan for how we should live our lives and we live our lives according to that plan, we will find harmony that we would not have otherwise. I have security and safety in knowing that my parents made a covenant before Almighty God in April of 1978 that they would be together until death do they part. And they've been through some rough things. Statistics say that 80% of people that have a child with a physical disability will divorce. And similar things are said of people who lose a child, who, who dies. My parents have been through both of those things. But through the help of the Holy Spirit, they made a decision. They made a decision to believe that God was God and that He knew what He was doing and they allowed it to draw them closer instead of pulling them apart. And they allowed God to tell them that children were a blessing And it's interesting because my dad was dealing with this issue after my brother Philip was born, number six. And he was wondering what God would have him do. He prayed for a daughter for years. And then after studying and praying and crying out to God, he finally said to God, I'll take whatever you send. And nine months later to the day after he said that, my first sister was born. You think God's not faithful? He is. We never had a lot of money growing up. There were always things as a kid, from my kid knowledge, that I wished I had because I wanted to be one of the cool kids. But you know what? Some of the cool kids I know, their parents, aren't still together. Mine are. And that's far greater than any earthly treasure that I could ever get. So a question we have to ask ourselves is are we going to build our lives on the firm foundation of the definitive standard of God's Word? And my answer is to the best of my ability by God's grace, yes. There is no other choice. As Peter said, when Jesus said, well, will you also go away? Peter said, where shall we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. Hmm. I have this quote here. It says, most people wish to serve God, but in an advisory capacity only. We like to tell other people what God would have them do. But we need to ask, God, what are you asking me to do? And we also need to be willing 
to be like Booker T. Washington. And regardless of who we think we are and, and what our station in life appears to be, we need to be willing to roll up our sleeves and do work. You'll remember in John chapter 13, the creator of the universe got up from the table on a day when all the disciples were saying, I'm the greatest. No, I'm the greatest. And he took a towel and he put it around his waist. And he washed the disciples' feet. This is the Creator. The Creator of the universe. And not only is this the Creator of the universe, this is the one who is going to be betrayed and denied by these men. They're going to run away from him. And my father has pointed out that Judas was still there when he washed the disciples' feet. Jesus sent him away shortly after the foot washing. But for the foot washing, Judas was there. Can you imagine washing the feet of the one who would betray you for 30 pieces of silver? And yet this is the God with whom you and I to deal. The good news is he's done the hard work. But you and I both, I have to ask myself this too. Am I willing to allow God to be the advisor and do what he asks? And I ask the same of you. And I haven't done this for a while, but I think I'm going to end by uh, singing a song. And I think it speaks of servanthood. And I hope that it focuses our hearts on what God wants to teach us here today. One day a plain village woman Driven by love for her Lord Recklessly poured out a valuable essence Disregarding the scorn And when it was broken and spilled out A fragrance filled all the room Like a prisoner released from his shackles Like a spirit set free from the tomb Broken and spilled out Just for Lavished on thee 
that I brought up to God he threw back at me and he said you know I made you I had a purpose for making you I made your mouth and if you go I will tell you what to say am I still 100% faithful? no but the one that I serve is and just as he has been faithful to me, he can be faithful to you as well. I pray God's richest blessing upon each and every one of you. Let's go before him. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you and we pray that you would be glorified in us. That we would be broken and spilled out for you. Lord, thank you for using us. Thank you for bearing fruit in our lives. Thank you for being patient with us because we are not perfect. Even after Acts, Peter still needed to be gently corrected by his brother Paul. And so we know that you are long-suffering to us. You remember that we are dust. You know our frame. And yet you love us and you want to use us. I pray that you would use each of us mightily and that we would go from this place and turn the world upside down for Jesus Christ. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.